Let's begin in 1 Kings today. I have quite a few scriptures I want to read. I normally don't read this many, but we'll see. I'm going to begin with Solomon, and we've all heard about Solomon, but he started off very well. Uh, when you look at his life, and we're going to read some things from 1 Kings 3 about Solomon, and it's quite evident that the blessing of the Lord was upon his life. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. Verse 3, and Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth. He he has this understanding uh, that the Lord blessed his father because his father was true to him. In righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you, you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go in or go out or come in. Verse 8, and your servant is in the midst of your, your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, so now, the, now he's going to ask the Lord. Now, this takes place in a dream. So that's very interesting, this which we read and quote, takes place in a dream. And now the Lord's going to, ask, he asks him, what, what do you want? Now he's going to hear what Solomon wants. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great, great people of yours? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And so you see the life of Solomon, how in the beginning he had this soft heart. He had this heart that wanted to please the Lord. He wanted to do what was right. And here he's in this position with this responsibility. And now he sees that the responsibility is too heavy, weighty for him, so he he says, Lord, I'm, I'm just a small child, and this is what I desire. And that prayer and that desire was a very good desire. And so you see the life of Solomon, uh, how he began very, very well. He had great understanding in various areas, but in particular with human nature. Now look in same chapter, verse 17. This story here, you know, we know it. We've read it, we've heard it, but to be in that position and for that to come upon you and and have to judge would really be interesting, would be tough. And one woman said, oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house and we gave birth while she, she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I'd given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together, 
no one was, was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. And thus they spoke before Solomon. Now this is right after the Lord asked him, What do you want? And he says, Wisdom and understanding to to judge between your people. Verse 23. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the one who's dead. And the other says, No, but your son is the one dead, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. And this shows not only did he have the wisdom of God in this, but it showed he had an understanding of human nature. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, No, let him neither be mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And I I read stories like that and things about Solomon, and you see that he started off so well, so well. And I have a few things here that I want to read. Um, He became famous because of his wisdom, and we know the story about the Queen of Sheba. She comes and she tests him. The Bible says she tests him with hard questions. And then she says this in Chronicles. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. And if you read about Solomon, you'll see that he built the temple for the Lord. He built a a huge complex, uh, palace complex. Uh, He built many cities. He built fortresses. He built lodgings for his armies. And he had this huge commercial empire and a navy. All this, the Lord gave him wisdom and the understanding to do. The blessing of the Lord was upon him, and at that time upon the nation through him. But he lost his devotion to God and to the people that he wanted to judge with wisdom. Now turn to 1 Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, this is later on, Edomites, Sidonites, the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart. We think we know, we think we understand, 
and we think we know better than the Lord, and we think that we're stronger than we are. And he tells him that, and, and this is actually, he said this before, that marrying foreign women will turn your heart away from me. Surely they will turn away your heart after, uh, after their gods. But Solomon clung to these in love. So that which David had taught him, that which he had shown him by example, that which he rehearsed, that which was in the law that they read, Solomon takes that for the sake of what is called love here, and he sets that aside, sets it aside. Verse 3, so there is a digression in the life. Just as with the Christian, there is to be a progression in your life and your relationship with the Lord and toward Him. So when the heart begins to move away, there's a digression, and it doesn't take too long to see it. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, mistresses, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after their gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, uh, the abomination of the Amorites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab. And on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, remember that Jerusalem was the place, was to be the place of worship. It was to be the place that they would journey to, to sacrifice and so on. So here he he turns from that and he starts sacrificing to these gods, even at Jerusalem, the hill east of Jerusalem. And for Moloch, the abominations of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord became angry with Solomon and so on. So you see in his life of however many years he lived, in the beginning, he started off well. The blessing of God was upon his life. The call of God was upon his life. His life was graced by God. But yet he decided to move in the way he did because of his own desire and his own lust. Now go to Judges 16. So Solomon begins really well but he has a sad ending. And I believe that with believers, Christians, there are some who remain faithful to the Lord. And there are some who, I have seen some who have started off well, moved back into their old life, and then came back and served the Lord and ended that way. And then I have seen others who have started off well and went the other way. And their life is patterned really 
in spirit after Solomon. Their end is not going to be good. Now in Judges 16, God called a man and raised him up, and his name was Samson. And he was to be a judge in Israel. And after the generation of Joshua died off, the people you know, went into idolatry, the people went into darkness, the people of Israel went into lawlessness. And so the Lord raises up judges to bring on the scene to take them from this darkness when they turn to the Lord, to take them from this darkness and from this lawlessness and to bring them over, <clears throat> excuse me, bring them over to where they should be once again. And so if you look at Samson, the man was used by the Lord. And I'll just interject this right now. A person could be used by the Lord and still not have the relationship with the Lord that they should have. But Samson, it says that he killed a young lion with his bare hands, and that's quite a feat. Now, you know that was not him. The Lord came upon him to do that. Uh, he would break ropes, fresh ropes from, that the enemies would tie upon his hands. He would break them like they were nothing, like they were wax. He killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. And in Judges 16, verse 2, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the, the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson laid low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gates of the city, and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Used by God, having the strength of God. Now Samson could have had a great end. Samson was called, he was graced, he was blessed with strength. He saw the plot. He was able to, to move in a different way, so he, he wasn't killed. But the same thing that occurred with Solomon occurred with Samson. He told his father and mother, and, and we'll read this, maybe we won't read it all. He sees a woman and he says, get her for me. Now before that, the Lord comes to his parents and says to raise him as a Nazarite. No razor shall come upon his head. He shall not drink Strong wine, strong drink, nothing like that, because he's going to be a Nazarite. And a Nazarite was a vow of separation. And you see that with um, Samuel. Samuel was a Nazarite all his life. You see that with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a Nazarite all his life. And you see the separation in their heart. You see their consecration and their dedication to God throughout their entire life. Samson was to be the same. He was to be a Nazarite all the days of his life. That's what his, what his parents were told. And so his parents began to work in his life to bring him up to the best of their ability, to show him the right way, to show them the right path, to take them down the right way, to open up to say, this is the way. This is the vow of the Nazarite. 
This is what you need to do. You need to be separated. You need to, to be committed to the Lord. And that holds true today uh, with children. You bring them up. You do your best with them. You, you try to instill certain things in them. You try to be the best godly example you can be to your children. But that is no guarantee that they will walk in the same way and in the same path. Now, some will disagree with that and say, oh, you don't have enough faith, but you need, just need to read the scriptures to see that that happens. And so he should have been the Nazarite. Turn to chapter 14 of Judges, verse 1. Now Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. You see the same drawing as you saw, saw with Solomon by foreign women or foreigners, or those that are not in the faith. There's this draw. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and his mother said to him, now they're going to try to reason with him. They're going to try to touch something in him of the foundation that they tried to lay. Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, see, it's almost though it went in this ear and out this ear, get her for me, for she pleases me well. So you see he's already being drawn away of his own lust. Drawing, as it says in James, drawn away from the will and purpose that God brought him into this world for. Verse 4, but his father and mother did not know that it was the Lord. And, and I'm not going to get into that, but the Lord was looking for an opportunity against the Philistines. Chapter 16, so listen, the time of testing will come, it will come. Chapter 16, verse 1, now Samson went to Gaza, Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Verse 4, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So you see his self-choices. But even more than that, you see the same thing as Solomon. You see the lust, his desire for women, or his desire for that attention from the opposite sex, draws him away from the Lord. Very, very sad. A man who could have risen to greatness. And we think he was great because he had the strength. Well, he was in the Lord when he moved in the Lord. But there's too many gaps in between those times where he was self-centered and he allowed his lust and his desires to take hold and spoil that which the Lord wanted you know, in his life. Turn to Deuteronomy 8. Now, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. Deuteronomy 8, this is 
Deuteronomy is relating to the second generation in the wilderness. But he tells them about what happened with their father. So they were there. Some of them were probably young. Some were a little bit older. But he says certain things here related to that. In verse 2, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you. See, the test time of testing comes to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So even though Samson's parents laid a foundation there, and you can say, so to speak, that he grew up in the church, still the quality or the lack of quality that was in him would be tested just like the the quality in us. And in particular, those of you here who are single, I don't know if you have been listening for the past year or longer, time and time again, this has been brought up that the time of testing, maybe not said in that direct way, but the time of testing would be coming to test you, to see whether you are going to listen to him, to hear his commandments or not. And so, even though there is an input, and even though you lay a foundation, that in and of itself is not enough. Because they must come to a place where they decide, I will serve the Lord no matter what. No matter what comes my way, I am going to walk with him. And many of us here have gone through tests. I have gone through tests and I have experienced certain things in that area that I have shared some of it certain times, maybe sometimes in the Bible school. But it doesn't, I'll say this, it doesn't matter your age either. It doesn't matter your age when it comes to this whole thing with this lust. You will still be tested. And there's a reason for it. There's more than one. Go to chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual or supernatural food, and all drank of the same spiritual or supernatural drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them or the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. So even though they were in the wilderness, and even though they were tempted and tested, still it says that there was one there that accompanied them, and that was Jesus Christ, the rock Christ. So it was possible for them not to fail. They didn't have to fail. Just like you do not have to fail. You can pass the test. It can be difficult, but you can pass the test. In Genesis, I'm just going to read this. You don't have to turn there. 
We're going to go to, uh, to, we'll go to Genesis 39, but this is Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, the time of testing. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him on the mount, the time of testing. Anyone in the Bible that has any worth to the church has been tested. Anyone in the Bible that had anything to give of substance was tested. You know, do I want to be able to teach with some substance rather than some surface thing that everybody hears that does practically no good? Maybe it does some good but doesn't help people to go deeper, doesn't help them to mature. Well, if that's the case, I must be tested, I must pass the test. If you want something of value in your life, I'm telling you now, the test will come. And the value will come in your life after you successfully navigate the test. When God tells Abraham to go up and to sacrifice his son, do you understand what this is go- what's going on? Do you understand what this is about? See, God will choose something that will touch you in the inner being, will touch you. So you may sit there, and a message might not touch you, or something said might touch you. Or you might be in your own circumstance and something there touches you. The test will strike a chord in you. It will touch something there or it wouldn't be a test. Abraham loved his son. He was the promise. He waited for him. And now God is going to touch that put his finger on it. Well, now, Abraham, you heard about being the father of many nations. Well, that just happens because, you know, he had kids. Well, that's not the whole thing there. Remember, the covenant was through Abraham. And the blessing came through Abraham. And Abraham had to be touched inside to be the father of many nations to be Abraham, to have something. So the time of testing, we have heard this. We hear all kinds of things. Every time we come to church, we go to Bible school, we, come, we hear all these things ministered. But you know what? The Lord sees to it that something's going to come and touch your life and your heart to see where you are. Are you going to serve me or are you not? I've had many opportunities when I was younger, single, waiting for the Lord to have relationships with women. I have had, since I have been married, 
quite a few times the opportunity was there before me. But I decided a long time ago that I'm walking with the Lord. I am not going to go down that road. I am not. And maybe the Lord hasn't taken that to the nth degree yet. I don't know. But I have a heart that I want to stay where I am with the Lord. You know, true to Him is what I mean. In Genesis 39, verse 7. Now this is speaking of Joseph. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. In your heart, those of you who are single, are you prepared to say no? If a guy comes to you, young girls, and he is really nice, he's very handsome, and you say, wow, he's giving you this attention that you've never had from anybody. Have you decided already that you are not going to go down that road? So you're going to be tested. And you guys, you single guys, what about when the beautiful woman comes along? And there she is, and she's really nice, she's sweet, she's not threatening to your Christianity. The test is going to be upon you. What are you going to do? All the things that you heard in church, all the things your mother and your father taught you, all the things that were good, are you going to trade all that for this relationship now that you've never experienced before that you like? Remember Solomon. Remember Samson. What drew them away? Their lusts. Their desire. Now, you know, God's given you desire for a reason, and he's going to fulfill that. But you need to wait for the right one at the right time. And I've seen this over and over again with grown men. Not deciding they're going to stay in the way. The lust of the flesh is powerful. It's overwhelming. You can't defeat it. You can't control it on your own. You say, well... Oh, I think I can. Well, yeah, when you're sitting here in church with everybody sitting around you. But you get in the right situation. God puts you with the right person. And I mean that the wrong person, if you don't understand what I'm saying. The right time, you'll see that it's going to be very, very, very difficult. Verse 8. But Joseph refused, and he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know, he does not know, what is with me in the house. And he has com uh, committed all that he has into my hands. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? She's not hearing that. She's not interested in that. She's not interested in what her husband has said to him, and all the authority he's given him, because she cast her eyes upon him, or another way to say it is she's lusting after him, and that's all she sees. It's what she wants. So it was as she spoke to, jo to Joseph day by day. 
You can be on the job and experience something like this day by day. What are you going to do? That he did not heed to her to lie with her or to be with her. In verse 12, he's in the house alone. He didn't know that any of the servants were there, and she's there. It says in verse 12, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled, and he ran outside. You may have to flee. The test is coming. The test is coming. To test to see what of what you... <laughs> What has the Lord put in you and what of your parents has taken root in your life? Or you say, well, you know, they don't know anything. You know, Samson grew up with his parents for many years. They told him this, they told him that, told him this, told him that. They were probably kind to him. They loved him, nurtured him. But what happens when he, he sees these women? All that is pushed aside. It doesn't matter anymore doesn't matter now what you say to me. Get her for me. What he says, get her for me. Maybe 20, 25 years of nurturing, laying certain things. Now it's his time. Will he serve the Lord or will he serve his lust? Time of testing. The time of testing comes. Jesus, we know, is led into the wilderness to be tested. But I believe the Lord wants us to pattern our life after him. Remember, Jesus passed the test. And that's what he wants from us. Now, turn back to Judges 16. I'm going to read this from 1 Peter. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Don't think it's strange when you run into these things, young people. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I like the Amplified. Let me read the Amplified. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal, and that's an ordeal, which is taking place to test your quality. To test your quality. Now, I'm directing this to the young people, but you know this applies to us, all of us. We have, in our lifetime, if you've been serving the Lord for for some years now, you would have gone through certain things. And hopefully you, you would have passed certain tests. In Judges 16, verse 10, back to Samson. Then Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now, please tell me uh, what you may be bound with. So he said to her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So, so Samson here, in, in this portion of scripture, he's kind of toying with her. But he's, he's in a very dangerous place because he's becoming overconfident with his own strength. He thinks that his strength will not leave him because the Lord has blessed him, the Lord has graced him. Verse 12, 
Therefore Delilah took new robes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, saying, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you, if you weave the seven locks of my head into a web of a loom. So she wove it tightly with the, the batten of a loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and, and the web from his loom. Then she said to him, How can you say, I love you? And now she's going to get a little personal here. Now how could you say, that you love me, and, you know, you're not telling me such and such. How can you say that? She's using her femininity against him. Now listen, I'm to read this again. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? See, that's the key. Here he is, and here she is over here. And she's saying, how can you say you love me? Do you think she really loved him? She didn't love him. She says, how can you say you love me if you're not with me? So you need to come over here with me. And that's what occurs where the individual now has to be drawn over to where the other one is dwelling and living. So there you are, young men, and this pretty girl, prettiest girl you ever saw, dressed really nice, you know, intelligent, and speaks softly to you. And all along, she's trying to draw you where? To where she is. That's what she says to Samson. That's what she says. How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me over here? So someone has to move. She's not going to move from where she is. So now she wants to draw him where she's living. You see it with Solomon. He went that way. You see it with Samson. Now he went that way. And you know the story. Now, there, there's something interesting in Proverbs. Now, why would a woman, an older woman, be interested in an older man? Now, I know you, you younger people, you look at old people and say, oh, boy, <laughs> they're old. <laughs> you know, yuck. You understand what I'm saying? But why would even a younger woman be interested in an older man who's a Christian? What's going on here? Even if the older man is not so good looking, or the other way around. Proverbs 6, turn there. When somebody says to you, <clears throat> We can have a relationship, and I'm, I have no problem with you being a Christian. Don't believe them. 
they're after their way. They want their way. Don't believe them. Because sooner or later, your Christianity will become an issue. So either you will have to lay that aside to be where they are, or there's going to be a separation. And I don't care <clears throat> if you're married or not, there's going to be a separation. And 2 Corinthians says, be not unequally yoked with who? Unbelievers. And he goes on. There's a reason for it. So don't believe that. That's a lie. Or as I remember years ago when I was a young Christian, I, I watched this where I worked, where there was a man... And he was filthy mouthed, vulgar, drank, and the like. And this woman came in with her daughter, who was in her early 20s, pretty, pretty girl. And this guy was probably maybe 10 years older. And he laid his eyes on her, and he even said to everybody, he says, I'm getting her to be my wife. And she was a Christian, this young girl. And I watched over a period of time. Months and months went by. First, she didn't, the mother wouldn't even let uh, this guy near, near her. He cleaned himself up, bought a Bible, started going to church. And his purpose behind it, I believe, was this girl. And he would come in. And he, you could tell he wasn't sincere because when he was with all the guys, you could hear what was coming out of his mouth. And it took, I don't know, I don't remember, a couple years, two, three years, four years. The guard went down. Oh, he's, he's trying. He's, he's going to church. He's reading his Bible. He's not swearing anymore. And he ended up marrying the girl. Now, I don't know what happened after that. Maybe the Lord got a hold of him. I don't know. I've never seen him. It's been probably 40 years. That's why I say don't believe. Don't believe it. If somebody says it won't be an issue, your Christianity. Or maybe you say, well, you know, I'll just wait. I'll st stick around them. I'll go out with them. And maybe I'll lead them to the Lord. They'll come to the Lord. Don't go that route. In Proverbs 6... And as I said earlier, I said, this particular thing has been in the church. I've heard it from Jim. I've heard it from others uh, from the pulpit saying different things. But I don't know if the young single people here are hearing it. That's why I believe the Lord wanted me to be very pointed today and say, your time of testing is coming. Are you going to stay with the Lord? Are you going to walk with the Lord? Are you going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to go? The Lord's not going to stop you, and neither will anybody here. You're going to go, you're going to go. But I'm telling you, your time of testing is going to come. Now, getting back to what I was saying before, why would a younger woman be interested in an older man in the workplace? Now, here's this young woman. She sees this guy. Now she's going to start flattering him. Now, with the sexual thing. Now, what's going on? What's she after? Well, sometimes it's money, but 
I'm talking about the guy, a Christian man. Proverbs 6, verse 26. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, or a piece of bread, the King James says. So the, the one that has the lust, she'll reduce you to nothing. To nothing. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. The world is after the precious life in you. And that word precious means valuable, means rare, means highly esteemed by God. See, the Lord has put things into you, young ones. And you're going to go into the work field, and many of you are already there. And the test is going to come. And they're going to be after the precious life in you. They don't even know it. They don't even know it. They might not even understand that. There's something about you that I really like. You know, he's always nice or she's always nice. You know, they're just nice. I heard they're a Christian, but I don't care. They're nice. I'd rather you know, find a person in the workplace than in the bar. And they're after the precious life in you. That relationship that you've had with the Lord, that which your parents and the church has been trying to nurture in your life for years. They're after that to take it out, to take you out, to get you moving a different way so that you're not serving the Lord any longer. Or, you know, people will have this strange idea. I'll, I'll still serve the Lord and, you know, commit adultery and live in a relationship like that. Well, you know, that'll last for so long, then it starts going the other way. They're after the precious life. So I'll say this one more time in closing. The time of testing is coming. So make up your mind now, today. I will serve the Lord. I will walk with Him. I will not, I will not move in the area or toward my own desires and lust. I will serve the Lord. Decide now. So that when it comes, that's in your heart. It's, in, it's there. You say, I will not be moved. Be stubborn. You know, some, I know some of you are stubborn. <laughs> I know some of you are stubborn. Be stubborn in the Lord. And be stubborn against sin. And say, I will walk with the Lord. I'm not going to go the way of the world. I'm not. I'm going to love the Lord and keep his commandments. If you have that heart, I think you'll be all right. If you want to pass the test, I believe you'll be all right. But don't depend upon yourself. Your lusts, your desires will overcome you when the time is there. You must look to the Lord, and he'll bring you through.